0: hi hello i'm julian and i'm tom we're back baby
1: we're team bench and we (laughs) are here to talk about the tv show 1899 (laughs) i think is how you pronounce it in german i could be wrong Mm -hmm. i honestly i watch it with uh, american dove over dove over so i don't even know what language it's supposed to be i'm assuming it's german since it's the guys that made dark but Mm -hmm. Are you watching it? I'm assuming not in the original language, but with.
0: Yeah. So this is a Netflix jam. It defaults to dubbing, okay. uh, which I was like, okay, let's watch it in dub. I watched it with my wife. I think she kind of probably preferred that. And then as you get into the episode, it transforms a bunch of different languages. So depending on how you watch this, I would very much recommend to not watch this with the dubs and to watch it with um, subtitles. It's a much better experience. Yeah, because I watched it the first time dubbed, second time for this pod uh, with the subtitles. And because there's multiple languages that these characters are speaking, it makes a lot more sense when characters are like, huh, what's going on?
1: Okay, okay. I'm Typically, that's how I watch Dark. And we're getting way ahead of ourselves. This (laughs) is a TV show. It's on Netflix. The reason we're watching it is because Tom and I are both huge fans of a show called Dark, which was created by... This Baron Bo Adar and Yontage Freese. I don't know how to say any of their names. I think it nailed it. um, Well, that's because I've got a little (laughs) bit of German in me, baby. This is true. (laughs) Um, So it's the same creators, same writers. They wrote a new show for Netflix. It has a lot of the same vibes. Mm -hmm. uh, So much so that we have no idea where it's going or what's going to happen, (laughs) but we're on board. This is a show that will not... Uh, hold your hand, I'm assuming, just like Dark never held our hands. But Mm -hmm. um, the reason Tom and I decided to do this show is because we have such uh, affection for Dark. And so Mm -hmm. we're happy, those of you that have either found us from a different show and are joining us now, um, or you were feed, just a new podcast from us popped up, and you're like, what is 1899? Today, this day that you're listening to this, which is the exact same day we're recording. <laughs> we watched the pilot episode for 1899, so that's what we're mm-hmm. going to talk about. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it and then join us. But I'm excited now as I will be eight episodes from now when the show <laughs> gives me everything I want because the shows Tom and I pick never let us down. They never, never let us down. Never, never.
0: Dead Lasso didn't let let us down. After party didn't let us down. The outer range.
1: Didn't let us down.
0: (laughs) Not so much. Oh, we're Uh, supposed to
1: celebrate that they got renewed for a second season. Someone wrote us and let us know. Barrett's back, baby. He let us know we should celebrate. So we're out of Lord of the Rings, and we're to 1899. So Mm -hmm. we're going to go through this episode. This is a fun show because you've got to guess at what's going on. A lot of conjecture. Tom and I have just done a ton of research into (laughs) all things 1899. And uh, obviously the most important thing is we should go through all the events that happened in 1899, the year, uh, (laughs) because that's what's important. And even though the show focuses on, I believe they're going from Great Britain to New York, right? That's the trip. Is that what yes, you assumed my it was? Assumption. Okay. Well,
0: I don't know if it's necessarily Britain, but they're definitely ending in New York is my assumption. With right. With that one A cat that's got the Satchel Liberty. Seven-day
1: picture. trip to New York. So the important thing I think we should all establish at the top, Tom, is what was happening in the United States in 1899. So I've got about 150 special events that happened that year. <laughs> I'm going to go through each one in, in great detail. All right, number one, and this is very important, 1899, January, Queens and Staten Island merged with New York City. This is important because these guys are going to New York City, I think. Mm. So maybe this boat is on its way to merge Queens and Staten Island. I think that's important. The Spanish-American War, it looks like a peace treaty was signed, but not to be outdone. We then started the uh, Philippine-American War. Uh, in the same month, because we don't like to go without a war going on uh, that's what we're all about USA, here's one USA. <laughs> here's one that's pertinent. Voting machines were approved by uh u s Congress, and we can all see i mean. <coughs> As far back as then, they've been rigging elections. Am I right, Tom? Am I right? Yeah? You, no? You are not. Right. You are not. No, I'm not right. Okay. And uh, the temperance movement was uh, picking up. So some person named Carrie Nation went into a uh, a saloon in Kansas and started destroying all the alcoholic beverages that, I mean, clearly a tragedy, I think, is what that yeah. was all about. terrible idea. And then some tornadoes. Anyways, the Bronx Zoo opened up. So that's, well, that was in New York City too. So maybe, and then right next to that, the vice president died of heart failure. So my assumption with this show, 1899, they're either going to combine Queens and Staten Island. They're going to start the zoo and they're going to kill the vice president of the United States. Those are my early predictions. (laughs) The The trifecta, trifecta, man. That's what we call it. (laughs) <laughs> that's correct. Anyways, this show starts off with a beautiful poem written by... Did you know who wrote this poem? The, uh, the opening dialogue that's read by our, I guess, main character, this Mara Franklin, played mm-hmm. by Emily Beecham. The brain is wider than the sky. Did you recognize those words, Tom? As The, the <laughs> show showed us the beautiful sea and a boat.
0: No, surprisingly, I am not the poet laureate of this podcast. I think that probably more falls on you. So uh, it was beautiful. Like reading this, it definitely sounded poetic. But I, as cryptic and weird as it was, I assumed it was written by the show writers. Sure, it apparently was not. Who who wrote it?
1: It's a poem by Emily Dickinson, eighteen sixty-two. I listened to it. I had no idea what it meant or what it was saying. (laughs) But uh, as the poet laureate of this podcast I googled it and the internet told me it's about the like endless possibilities that occurs in one's mind that mm. a whole world can be contained in a mind which is very interesting because the opening part of the show is Mara Franklin uh, essentially in an insane asylum, and she's screaming at people, and they're holding her <laughs> back, and then they throw her in a room that's marked 1011. 1, are we gonna say 1011? Are we gonna say 1011? Or we are gonna say 1011? What are we gonna say, Let, Tom? Let's
0: say 1011. 1011, 1. 1, 1, 1,
1: like we're computers,
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, this show immediately throws you into, like, she's an unreliable narrator. Like, she is kind of the main protagonist mm, that we're following I like throughout it. the whole thing. I like But it sets it. it up like, whatever you see, whatever you experience through this show, you have to take it with a lens of, she could be insane.
1: Right. And let's jump into it right away. Like, what I think about is, okay, is all of this just happening in her head? Is mm-hmm. all of this, are we inside of Mara Franklin's brain? And that's why, like, all these people, the boat, this whole thing. Is this a, spoilers, a Shutter Island scenario? Um, <laughs> you all are welcome for spoiling that movie. But
0: <laughs> I think that's what the show wants you to think, at least with this first episode. Obviously, they're playing very heavily on the pyramid. We get, you know, the symbology of it throughout the entire episode, and you can find it on all sorts of different things. Um But in the idea of like somewhere in the Pacific Ocean is supposed to be the Bermuda's triangle, right? So it's like the idea of the pyramid and Bermuda Triangle, like I don't know. Does that make your mind go crazy if you go in it? Was she on the Prometheus? Was her brother on the Prometheus? Like a lot of interesting kind of questions, but I don't I don't know where to go quite yet.
1: Sure. And that's what these guys do so well. A lot of mystery, and I'm intrigued. Since we start out in the insane uh, Asylum, you're right. We do we get like a shot of she's screaming at someone down the hall. She's like, what did you do to my mind? What did you do to my memory? Um, we find out that the Prometheus is the other ship that's missing. Uh, obviously, everyone knows Prometheus was in like Greek mythology, uh, the Titan who stole fire and brought it to humanity. There's a couple of different like Greek mythology things here, like their ship, ship number two that she wakes up on, mm-hmm. is the, uh, it's like the Karyboros. Carib- Cerberos, is that how you say it? Okay, yeah. which is Hades' three-headed dog. These are apparently sister ships, part of the same company. Prometheus has been missing for four months. Uh, she The thing I find interesting is that this is all happening in her head. She immediately like examines her wrists when she wakes up. Mm-hmm. on Cerebrose. Cer- C- cere cerebro cerebro C- i believe C- is Cerberus. the thing she puts it on her head and then she can like see the everyone's she's professor x essentially um man i feel really good about knowing uh, what that is but she does wake up and she has the like she has marks on her wrist so it, like mm-hmm. you don't know whether or not we're in a dream we don't know whether or not she's escaped from an asylum and that's just like old wounds i guess or recovering wounds
0: well no she was at the asylum and it shows her in restraints right or them like right. tightening restraints on right. her so she has these left over from that and even we get we'll get to it a little bit later but there's a sequence where like everybody in the dining hall takes a sip of tea and all at the same time all puts their cups back down it all clinks so it's like it, it, it has to be the idea that we're in her head right like okay. if she's not the only one going crazy about this like why would she not be asking questions about that
1: I don't know. I mean, and what's great about the guys that create Dark and create the show is they will let us try (laughs) and figure it out. They don't hand feed you anything. Um, I was talking to Tom about Dark earlier, and it's like with Dark, while a lot of shows are like, hey, audience, you're really dumb, so we're going to spoon feed you this, (laughs) these guys that created Dark are like, hey, unless you're a German time physicist. um, (laughs) You're not going to understand. And guess what? We're not going to slow down and explain it to you. So good luck, dummies. And so I hope they do the same thing with this, because it's so fun to be confused. It's it's fun to be confused by good writing and stuff that's planned out. It's not good to be confused by (laughs) bad writing and just like lazy stuff that doesn't make sense. But
0: yeah, yeah. buffaloes and owls on walls. Um, but <laughs> I've been trying to be more mindful of that because of watching dark and to your point, like this show is such in the same vein of dark with the uh, dark, ominous music, like the, the, just thematically how it's shot. It's all, it is shot very dark in a lot of sequences. Um, but I'm trying to be more mindful of it and think about like all the little like weird nuances and things that the characters are doing or the some symbolism that they kind of put in front of us, um, to see if I can, you know. Try to after party this,
1: this. Sure. Sure. Old sleuth Tom's at it again. <laughs> he got Carmen San Diego. Uh, and now he's gonna get I don't know. I'm gonna assume the bad guy on this one is Angel. That's uh that's my um that's my first I think... guess. She's got a <laughs> she's got a letter which is from Henry, who is her brother, and it says, I found out what our father did, don't trust anyone, meet me in New York.
0: Mm-hmm. Boom, we're going to New York.
1: Got it. There's some stuff <laughs> on solved. the There's some stuff on the letter. Um, she speaks to herself in the mirror and she's like, Listen, I'm Mara Franklin. I'm not crazy. I'm not I'm crazy. Good enough. I'm, I'm smart not crazy.
0: Enough. And gosh darn it, people like me.
1: People like me. There you go. <laughs> what were your thoughts when she said I'm not crazy? as she stared at herself in a mirror, Tom.
0: Oh, definitely crazy. <laughs> But we get, so, like, this cuts back to her. We saw the Asane Asylum room number 1101, and then, or, sorry, one oh one one, And then it cuts back to her room or her state whatever on uh, the Cerberus is the same room number. So, and again, it's got the pyramid on the door. Did you notice that? So, there's a pyramid yep. icon on the envelope that there's she gets. There's pyramids everywhere, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> and then all that upside-down pyramid that kind of has the little line through it. Like, it almost makes me think, is that... Obviously, the pyramids going to have some sort of bigger, you know, pull throughout the whole entire series here. But is it like the logo of this shipping company or something? Because it's on the doors. I think later we even see one of like the, the first mate or something has it on his hat. Do you know where this is coming from?
1: No, no, I don't. But I do know just randomly looking at this Wikipedia page about the events of 1899 that pyramids were all the rage. Fashion wise, uh, the the great fashion craze of the pyramids. So that might have something to do with it. Maybe okay. these are all just really uh, periodically historical clothing, I guess, is what I would say. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. <laughs> but it's clearly the show dropping hints um, mm-hmm. and trying to confuse our brains, just like Mara seems a little bit confused. We cut to credits, man. And this intro, this intro is pretty great. I enjoyed this (laughs) intro thoroughly.
0: It's super trippy. I think this is definitely one that we could go back and rewatch maybe like when we watch the finale again, because it introduces a lot of characters. They're all doing weird things. They're kind of being overtaken by the pyramid. And there's all sorts of weird like CG effects that are kind of going on. Uh, It's pretty cool.
1: It was very cool. To your credit, because of the after party, I paid very, I paid a (laughs) lot of attention to what was happening. And like the one thing I drew from it was the captain. His name's like Captain, it's E-Y-K. I'm going to say Ike. I don't know. Captain Ike <laughs> Larson, uh, who is also an actor from Dark, which yes. they did a great job. They were like, hey, man, you look sad, <laughs> handsome, and ominous. Uh, join us for another show. That actor's phenomenal. He is His figurine in the intro is reaching towards a woman, and she's being like disintegrated away from him. Mm-hmm. And so my thought is that we see the picture of his family on the on his desk. My thought is that his family, or at least his wife, was on the Prometheus. And that's yeah. why it's such a draw to him mm-hmm. to go like himself and see what's going on. So yeah. that's okay. what I got from the credits. But I think you're right. I think by the time we're done with eight episodes, these credits are going to mean a lot to us. Mm-hmm. A lot. <laughs> We cut from there. We've got the guy shoveling coal. I guess these are guys that are working like off their passage. Some people couldn't afford a ticket, so you work your way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he calls him a name. I don't think I'm allowed to say it, and I don't think it's his real last name because I think it's a derogatory term <laughs> for people of Polish descent.
0: The first time I watched this, I was confused because... I watched it dubbed and everything is in English. So like Mm -hmm. when they say this stuff and he responds in English, like it doesn't make sense. And I think a lot of, there's a lot of pieces throughout the episode that don't make sense if that's the case. So again, highly recommend watching it with subtitles so you get the different languages.
1: Okay, so there is, so like he's speaking, I'm assuming like Polish and then, okay, all right. The subtitles
0: will say Polish and then it has what he's kind of saying. So when it jumps to like later the French couple, they start talking and they say, subtitles say in French and then it shows what they're kind of saying. Got but it's it. It's much more like engrossing when you hear them going in French and then the guy's doing like, sure. you know, Spanish and the other stuff. It's, it's pretty cool.
1: So I watch it dubbed, but I also watch it with subtitles, but they don't give you those language cues. All they oh, okay. say is music, unnerving, ominous, <laughs> feel terrified. <laughs> like that's all. The, that's most of the subtitles throughout the show. Like be yeah. scared, be weirded mm-hmm. out. This isn't going to go well for anyone. Good mm-hmm. luck, viewer. Anyways, <laughs> all right. So I'm I'm going to join your uh, crew on the Prometheus, and I'm going to watch this uh, with subtitles, but in the original mm-hmm. languages. A lot of reading, but that's okay. I love I love a good chunk a good of it's in subtitle.
0: English. It's not that bad.
1: Okay. Dining Hall, we've got, we're introduced to, I'm going to say his name is Lucine and his spouse, they seem very happy together, newlyweds, her name's <laughs> Clements, we'll get more of them later, all I can say is, they're probably going to be married for a long time, and very happily, we have two women of Asian descent, one's in, like, traditional garb, and then one is kind of supposed to be, maybe, they, they pose her as, like, her servant, um,
0: yeah, I don't, yeah, I didn't really know what the setup is, but yeah, she's kind of, the uh, the one woman is dressed in, like, the full-on, like, geisha attire and everything.
1: We then have Angel and his priest brother, or alleged priest brother, I can't really tell if he's a real priest, but his (laughs) name is Romero, Angel seems nice, he's someone that you will inevitably run into at any large restaurant that's just shouting randomly, um, (laughs) mara is eating alone she's joined we find out this lady's name is mrs wilson and she later on talks with the two uh asian ladies and she like tells them not to talk so somehow they're all they're all related and, and mrs wilson is talking with mara and she's like listen i'm gonna sit with you because people are already talking rumor is that you're a doctor And, like, Mrs. Wilson, like, kind of introduces us to everyone in the room, Mm -hmm. which I think is interesting. But then with Mara, she's like, I heard you're a doctor, and what were you a doctor of? We find out she was a doctor of the human brain, Mm -hmm. which we, Mara says, you know, the human brain is interesting because it has, it beholds all the answers in the universe, and -hmm. that there's a hidden world only needing to be discovered. And I was like, I don't know. That's pretty on the nose if we're inside of Mara's brain right now. Come on, guys. Throw something confusing at me. Um, which isn't to say I'm still completely confused, but yeah.
0: But when Miss Wilson does this, she kind of talks about each different, like, main set of characters, I guess we'll get throughout the series. And she says that they're all running away from something, which I think is interesting because we get hmm. No specifics on really any of these characters outside of that. That itself, that like they're all seemingly running away for something. Either don't want to go back to where they were, need to get to where they're going, um, and are very scared or frightened when they do find out that the boat is not immediately heading to New York.
1: Right when they change course, she's to your point. It's like reiterated that hey, people are unhappy that they're not going to be in New York in order to combine Staten Island and Queens, kill the vice president, as well as open the zoo in time. That zoo needs to open. Those elephants aren't going to live forever or remember everything. This is also that part where you pointed out, which I, I don't know that I caught it on the first watch, but I definitely caught it on the second watch, where everyone like lifts their tea, drinks together, and then puts it down. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the Truman sh- Ooh, is this the Truman Show? Is this the Truman Show? These guys just like... Someone handed them a Blu-ray and they're like, hey, have you ever seen the, uh, the Truman Show? And the guy was like, nine. And then he watched the Truman Show and was like, oh, I'm going to make a weird dark show that's going to be... anyway the ship. I've got... <laughs> There's boating in the Truman Show. In fact, it's kind of one of the critical moments. Anyways... We're, this is all broken up because a young man with a disfigured face runs in looking for a doctor and like one guy that they establish is a doctor. He's like looking everywhere but at the, <laughs> yeah. at the guy. It's like when someone runs into a room and they're like, we need a mathematician. And I'm like, uh, you know, I don't want to make eye contact with them. <laughs> I don't want to solve all their math problems, you know, or when someone's like, I need a scientist. and I'm like, ah, I'm pretty busy. I don't have time to be a scientist.
0: Yeah, goodwill uh, hunting over there.
1: Yeah, I'm a man of I'm a man of numbers and science. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm known for. The disfiguring of the face, I think, is something we should talk about. Like, because there's several people. Like, there's the bearded guy with the on the crew that has it. There's this kid, and I just don't know if we're establishing. Hey, back in 1899, like life facial disfigurement. Yeah, life was rough. Like, <laughs> we're having babies on board dark ships. Um, like I didn't know, or cause there's, they do this in dark as well. Like there are characters mm-hmm. with like facial stuff.
0: Yeah. Laugh.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I'm not laughing at the facial stuff. I'm laughing because Tara, um, when we were watching this, um, for those of you that don't know, Tara is my life partner. The, uh, character that plays the captain, um, has facial scars in this. And mm-hmm. she's like, I'm pretty sure he had those in Dark. Does that actor just have those? <laughs> and it was like, no, that's all makeup. He doesn't have those. And I don't think he had them in Dark. But the, the same things in Dark are in play here, I guess.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if something does come of that because they definitely use it a lot in Dark to be able to help tell this story. And I do think that those are so prominent. And I think even later we have a sequence where uh, one of the Spanish guys, I can't remember his name. Angel it's Angel, I think
1: Angel and Ramiro.
0: Yes. So he like um, kind of has a very weird interaction with the guy with the scar and like even like touches it says this scar suits you kind of a thing. So there's definitely going to be more to that. I I assume.
1: Oh, you thought that interaction was weird? I thought that interaction was perfectly normal. <laughs> uh everyone lights a cigarette, puts it in someone else's mouth and then touches their face. That's normal. Well, so
0: again, this that uh, and well, I know we're jumping here, but That sequence makes a lot more sense if you're watching the subtitle version because the other guy is Danish. They're all speaking Danish that are people in the storage and he's speaking Spanish. So when he's talking to that guy, he gives him a cigarette but the guy has no idea what he is saying to him. He's just brushing his hair back and touching and playing with the guy's scar. So like there's clearly a language gap there which I didn't necessarily get on first watch.
1: Sure. But when they say it in Spanish, it's so much more, you know, yes. you know, rum rum. Biblioteca. No. Biblioteca. Don't <laughs> <The> biblioteca. <laughs> <¿Dónde está? laughs> Oh, that's good. Anyways, Mara follows this young man down, and I didn't know they were speaking. Tom, I, I you got so much more out of this, <laughs> knowing like the languages. I assume there were some language barriers, but um this is making more sense because when she's in the steerage she's like shouting at these people and Mm -hmm. trying to get them to understand something and like i assumed okay they're talking different languages and they're just giving it all to me dubbed um but it makes a lot more sense so Mm -hmm. she has to turn a baby in the womb lot of people watching but i guess there's no tv down in the steerage (laughs) there's only tv in first class um (laughs) and so uh people are bored so this is watching someone else in pain go through some weird (laughs) medical procedure um and this is also where we find the gentleman climbing out of the coal Mm -hmm. who i'm assuming is a stowaway
0: yes for sure
1: We cut from there to the room 2101, mm-hmm. which when I wrote it down, I was like, oh, this is the room directly above 1011. But now that I look at the numbers, that's not how that would work. So never mind. Um, there's some very passionate, we'll call it coitus happening between... The French couple? they The French couple
0: know how to make love, man. They do it fully clothed.
1: Fully clothed. Just a sheet between them with a (laughs) hole cut out. And everyone's having a good time, I guess. I did notice, because this is what you're supposed to pay attention to during a scene like this, is she's wearing pyramid earrings.
0: Mm -hmm. Which I'm assuming she got from the Boats gift shop, since I've established that this is the Boats logo. So that was the first thing she did when she got on board.
1: Everyone's just walking around with a snow globe with a pyramid in it that they shake. Oh, that's good. They've all got license plates with their first name. So it's Clements and her license plate and then has a pyramid on it. Yep. Uh, there's a decks of cards with pyramids on the back. What other Go things on. happen in <laughs> Go gift Go on, yeah, shops? what else? Um, Sunscreen. The, a t-shirt. Just a t- <laughs> what? How funny in a period piece like this, someone's just walking around in a t-shirt with a... I White went on shirt. this cruise and all I got was this lousy t-shirt, and then there's a pyramid. <laughs> all right. We find out that according to the gentleman, whose name I've already forgotten... This marriage is a lie, and this actress does—I mean—give her an Emmy. Like when she, when he walks out of the room, her expression changes in such a way that I was like, "Oh, okay, there, there's definitely something going on here," where she yeah. is playing some kind of game or being deceptive in some way. Um,
0: She—I didn't understand what her expression was. Like, is she? Like basking in his pain, like like, yes. causing him pain. Does she realize that? Okay, now I can stop the act. Yes, he knows. Okay. My
1: assumption is she is enjoying how uncomfortable, uh, and and how much this is like hurting him. Mm-hmm. And she's just, she doesn't really care that he's in pain, and she's happy that she's messing with his head. That's hmm. that's how I took that. Okay, um, she could also just be basking in. A glorious moment that two lovers had um, <laughs> fully clothed. I don't know. I don't know. One day, I I hope to. Anyways, uh, that's a different discussion. <laughs> We're back in the steerage. steerage, edge. And we find out... Because I believe Mara The is... little
0: girl is talking to Mara. But again, oh. the little girl is speaking Danish, and Mara does not speak Danish.
1: So, in English... <laughs> They used, I feel like, a grown woman actress's voice for this little girl. So when she's talking, it's like it, it's like a. I was like, that voice and that girl, they do not go together at all. So it was a little. This was the only time when this girl was talking that the like the dubbed over English kind of took me out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we find out that Mara can't have children, and then all of a sudden she's the thought of children is like causing her to have some more asylum vision. So she mm-hmm. starts running upstairs because vigorous exercise can often help <laughs> uh, hysteria. I don't know. I wasn't a doctor in the 1899s, so I can But we assume. do get
0: a lot of cuts. I did my best to try to write these down in sequence. So the first thing we get is this green beetle, which is a super cool looking beetle that later on we feel, or, or see has a lot more probably to the storyline than meets the eye. Um, then it kind of cuts to the priest, kind of the silhouette of the priest that we saw in the very beginning at the uh, Saint Asylum. We see her room number again, the shackles, needles, um, I think actually going into her neck. Um, we do get some a little brief bit of lovemaking that appears to, to happen.
1: Is it clothes, um, clothing on or clothing off? No,
0: there were no clothes in this lovemaking oh, session. Oh, interesting. Um, Didn't know you even then, do it that way. Okay. <laughs> and then somebody holding a, a pyramid at the very end in their hand, which the... My my guess would be that's what we get at the end of the episode with with the kid.
1: Now let me ask you this. You mentioned a priest, the guy in the hallway whose silhouette you see at the asylum. What clued you in that he was a priest? My thought was he was like a doctor or like I don't know, what I would always assume is like an evil, abusive, sane asylum administrator yeah. guy. Like yeah. why did you clue on, on a priest?
0: I thought there was something in the beginning when it showed him kind of peer out of the silhouette that he was kind of in like an all black kind of priesty garb. I don't know what it's okay. called. Okay. Okay. I, I, priesty again, garb could be, could be wrong. Priesty garb.
1: garb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get it when they're <laughs> ordained. Yeah, the PG. They're like uh, the Lord has given you your priestly priesty garb, <laughs> Father Padre. All right. She pulls out a locket. The locket has. A black pyramid on it.
0: Yeah. It's like this weird like hexagon shape, but it has a super small black pyramid. And I think we haven't even mentioned too. every one of these pyramids is upside down, which I'm assuming is going to have some sort of deal, right? Like generally you see this triangle or a pyramid pushed the other way. And the fact that it kind of has a line through it too, is also kind of interesting. If that's kind of like the void between these two worlds or spaces or her conscious and subconscious, I don't know.
1: Sure. Yeah. No. Two things. Now that you've said the ship has a gift shop, all I will assume is all of these <laughs> items were purchased at said gift shop. So thanks for ruining the show for me, Tom. Uh, the second thing is, little known fact, uh, the ancient Egyptian pyramids were actually built point down, and then uh-huh. over time, everything drifted. And so really, we see them upside down, but initially, they were. that's why they were... One of the wonders of the world is because it's like, how do they stand all of that pyramid on its one point? So look it up, kids. Little known fact. (laughs) We're on deck and sad Captain Handsome (laughs) finds Mara. She's looking out over the ocean. He's like, how'd you get up here? Also, the person they've got to do his voice. Man, I hope it's not his real voice because I'm going to sound like an idiot here. But his voice doesn't go with his sad, handsome Demeanor. But he's hiding a bottle of, I'm assuming, cough medicine. Iced ice tea. Iced tea. That's probably it. Yep. Big <laughs> iced tea drinkers there. And all I thought during this scene is, man, I need to buy a sea captain's coat. One of those long. <laughs> I mean, we live in a state where long sea captain coat with like 12 brass buttons. I can wear that for maybe half a week out of the year because <laughs> it drops below 70 for that long where we live. Uh, but they have a, a, a lovely conversation where he tells her that first-class passengers shouldn't go below. And she's like, rules are not meant to be made on ships. I don't know. He should have been <laughs> like, I'm the captain, walk the plank. Um, but before he can sentence her to walking the plank, the crew interrupts him. And they're like, listen, Captain Ike Larson, (laughs) I hope that's how you say his name. (laughs) The ship's receiving coordinates from dun-dun-dun, the Prometheus. They don't know
0: yet. They just know they're receiving coordinates from something weird in the ocean. They don't know if it's Prometheus. He's the one that is hopeful that it is a Prometheus, seemingly.
1: Okay, well, very quickly, he's like, hey, we're going to the Prometheus. And they're like, the what? He's like, the Prometheus. And they're like, the who? And he's like, the Prometheus. So. (laughs) That movie? The Prometheus?
0: Alien sequel?
1: Michael Um, Fassbender? Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he makes mention, like, it took them south, not north. So something like, I don't know, does something like pull them towards the thing? Oh, because he said if they would
1: be adrift, the tides would Uh have taken them this way. But instead, they're Mm -hmm. finding them. Who knows? All I know, Tom, all I know, mm-hmm. the C, say it with me, the C is always right. The C is always right. nor the C is always right. That is the dumbest thing. Oh, I can't even.
0: Watch Rings of Power, everybody, then listen R- to our podcast. Rings of Power is going <laughs> to ruin <laughs> this <laughs> <laughs> show for
1: me. <laughs> all right. The C is always right. You know who's always wrong? Angel and the priest, they're in their room, <laughs> and they are hiding something, Tom. My spidey mm-hmm. sense tells me that they're hiding something.
0: Yes, Julian's Peter Tingle is tingling. Wait, uh, what? Angel kind of says... <laughs>
1: How do you know what's tingling? <laughs>
0: uh, Angel kind of says he's the wolf. He tells his you know brother that he's the sheep. So we, we kind of get the dynamic of, of these brothers, if they really are brothers. I don't know. Um but they certainly don't want to return to England because they get super afraid when they look out the window and the ship is turning around.
1: Right. Even Angel, the self-proclaimed wolf, is is seems to be very scared. And you mm-hmm. do bring up a good point, something that my uh spouse and I discussed. These guys don't look like brothers. Do we legitimately <laughs> think they're brothers or um they don't they don't look like brothers to me.
0: Well, the guy's not a priest, right? Like, we establish that later when he gets told, hey, go onto this other ship with us. Um, and they are having their back and forth conversation. Um, I mean, he, he has no idea what he's doing. So, my assumption right. is he's not a priest, right?
1: He also takes the Lord's names, and name. well, his names. He takes the Lord's, <laughs> all of the Lord's names in vain during this part. So, I don't mm, know. Okay. I'm not saying he's a hypocrite, but we should probably take his collar from him and disbar him. I think you get disbarred as a priest or maybe that's a lawyer. (laughs) Who knows? They're all the same. All right. The little girl tells the ghost ship story probably better in German was all I thought as she was talking during this scene.
0: It was told in Danish, but maybe in German it was cool. I don't know.
1: Was it cool in Danish?
0: (laughs) It was pretty cool in Danish. Yeah.
1: Okay. I bet. I'm going to, I think I'm going to rewatch this episode in that way just so i get the full effect and it changes it yeah the next time we get together to talk about this i'll tell you whether or not it was just aggravating or made it better my guess is it's going to make it better because Mm -hmm. you're typically on track with these types of things and i believe your magic is real tom mara visits the captain they talk about the prometheus he's like listen if they're real good and they've been rationing their food for four months Someone's probably alive, maybe. I don't know. She keeps looking at the picture on his desk. That's a family. And she's like, so what's going on there? Are you guys still, you know, you guys still together? What's what's the situation, (laughs) handsome captain? And he asks her if she knows anyone aboard. And she kind of dodges the question, right? I don't think she... She says, like, I,
0: and then it kind of cuts away, and then I don't know what breaks up the conversation, but she, like, starts to answer it and then stops. So I think that's when she, like, inquires about his family or something like that.
1: And that's when he's like, listen, family meeting in the dining room, one hour. Uh, (laughs) Conference room, one hour. (laughs) And so she leaves. And then he pulls a letter out of his desk, and did you notice anything particular about the letter that the captain Has in his desk, Sir Thomas. the
0: exact same envelope, seemingly written by the same hand. Um, and we get the same little inscription on the envelope, which says, What is lost will be found. So we, we've established that, well, we don't have it necessarily for sure. We know is looking for her brother. Um, I think we think that the captain is potentially looking for his family that might have been aboard. So somebody had sent them identical letters with kind of this hopeful message saying, hey, we know it's lost now, but you can potentially find what you've lost.
1: Yep, that's what I... That's what I got out of that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had an ice cube in my mouth and I wasn't ready. (laughs) In the hallway, this is where Mrs. Wilson talks to the two Asian women. She knocks on her room. And I don't understand this relationship. Do you understand this relationship? I
0: don't either. She almost seems like she's like their handler or something. Like she's the one that's taking them to New York for for some reason. I don't know. Because she definitely talks down to both of them.
1: Right. She's like, oh, I saw you two talking in the dining hall. Don't let that happen again. Uh, we're back in the dining room. Family meeting. The captain addresses the people. He's like, listen, I got a lot of things I want to say to you guys. And turns out he wants to go looking... For the Prometheus, that's why they've changed course. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's upset about this. He tries to remind people of their humanity by saying, "There's one thousand four hundred and twenty-three passengers on the Prometheus, and they're you know, and so if they have a chance to save them, they should save them." And I don't know if you did the math on this, Tom, but if you rearrange the numbers <laughs> of one thousand four hundred and twenty-three, you get. 1,432, which is a number that is nine more than the number he said, and that's probably going to be important. (laughs) I'll tell you why in eight episodes, so put a pin in that. (laughs) Okay, Uh, Angel, uh, in very good English, is like, hey, we paid good money to get to New York in seven days. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Wilson's like, they didn't even ask for help. I like this one. She's like, they've been lost at sea for four months. Did they ask for help? If they didn't ask for help. Why would we help them? Like, <laughs> yeah. all right. Just cruise Have a good time. Yeah, I'd hate to have a flat tire next to Mrs. Wilson uh, <laughs> as she drives by me in her motor car and gives me the bird.
0: I don't know if there's anything to this. I mean, playing the numbers game. I know you love the numbers game. It's a seven-day journey, and then they have like a seven-hour detour to get to this. I don't know if there's any reason why they're both seven hours. Um, That maybe makes more sense to me than your one four three two two three theory, but I don't know. We'll we'll play that too.
1: All right. I'm assuming you're referring to uh, it was supposed to be a seven-hour tour. From Gilligan's Island. So you a seven hour tour.
0: Actually, I don't know hour seven tour. hours. Think get was... Three hours. <laughs> oh, okay. But
1: if you double three and add one, <laughs> you get to You're seven. Right. So I'm just asking the questions, Tom. You know, you I'm just brave guy. enough to ask the questions. Yep. Uh, Lucian runs out of the family meeting He like He's like the teenager that storms up the stairs And slams his bedroom door While the dad's yelling at everyone um, Reminded me a little bit of me Lucian is very upset at the news And Clements rolls up on him And she's like uh, Hey spouse that I love deeply um, What's going on with you? and his hands are shaking and he turns the old
0: pills maybe i don't know i don't know what he took he took like a seemingly like a small vial out of his pocket and he was getting ready to like drink it is it opium i don't know i don't know probably human growth hormones he's probably got a
1: game or something that he's Mm -hmm. trying to get bulked up for yeah Um, but he
0: doesn't answer his his wife right he just kind of turns and pouts and runs away up to another room
1: yeah, he's like, I don't I don't want to talk about it. And then he runs <laughs> up the stairs and slams his door. Uh, in the lower decks, Olek is um, eating his meal in a way that so I, don't think, I don't think Olek fears death uh, <laughs> or fears the depth of the sea in any way. He's just legs dangling off into the great abyss. He obviously didn't hear the four thousand meters under our feet speech that the captain's about to give. Um but he does meet the stowaway, who he finds name is Jerome. They break bread together. And
0: well, in this sequence, I think it makes more sense again if you are not listening to the dubbed because they have a language gap. Olik is speaking uh Polish and Jerome is speaking French. So there's again this okay. disconnect
1: here. Okay. It's good to know. Jerome is French. Okay. Yeah, I feel like they should have said something in the beginning of the show. Like, hey, we dubbed it for you dummies, but better watch it in its original language <laughs> with subtitles because yeah. you're going to lose a lot. And then your friend, your old friend Tom's going <laughs> to hold it over you and rub it in your face that he got more out of the show than you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Netflix. Dun, 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 or whatever their <laughs> music is. All right, so Mora is on deck with the captain. The captain, because this guy's just mysterious and handsome and deep. He's like, listen, I may look deep, but you know what's real deep? The deep sea. It's 4,000 4, meters under our feet, and we don't know anything about it. Super mysterious. Speaking of mystery, I'm mysterious. I always
0: loved this concept of, like, the vastness of the oceans on Earth and the idea that, you know, we've explored all of our land, mountains and hills and valleys and everything, but there's so much of this world that we don't know what is there and what's going on. Like, as opposed to, like, the vastness of space where there's, you know, who the heck knows, like, if there's life out there and everything, like, there could be alien life literally on Earth living in a, a different ecosystem under under our feet. It's it's super cool concept to think about.
1: Sure. Sure. That is uh, super concerning. Um, <laughs> hopefully, uh, the next president builds, I guess, an ocean force. Uh, we've got space force to defend us against aliens from space. But if there's aliens under the sea, we should definitely... I guess we have Sea Org, thanks to Look. L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> anyways we
0: need we need an ocean wall that's what we need
1: an ocean we need to build a wall (laughs) to keep the ocean out yes certainly (laughs) actually in arizona we could use the water so let's just let that ocean right on in just get rid of the salt anyways i digress ships ahoy um they find the other ship they shoot up a red flare which is a super nice touch for anyone ever filming something where you (laughs) want it to look scary shoot a red flare in the air
0: yeah, because shows shows everybody on deck, and then they're all just riddled in, like, this red glow. It's super cool.
1: So, so cool. All of a sudden, this crew, this brave, brave crew, they become a very superstitious lot. And <laughs> not big fans of taking a boat over to the ship that's been lost at sea with no lights <laughs> on. And there is an interesting conversation where, where Captain Hansom's like, I'm going over, I'm taking a boat, and his crew's like no like let's just report it uh, tell the company this is not our fight and also like it's not typical of a captain to like leave his ship to go board another one like typically Mm -hmm. that's like a first mate's job or like the second officer like they do that sort of thing because his boat is his and so this is why like thinking about the intro where you see the family picture in the intro he's like trying to hold on to a, a woman that's disappearing. Like, this mm-hmm. is why I think there's something very much personally invested for him and what's on the Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably what's led to him drinking all that tea, um, mm-hmm. secretively.
0: Yes, probably true. He, he definitely is very much like the Captain Kirk kind of style thing, right? Like, who would always just give his, uh, he would leave the Enterprise and give his ship to Spock or somebody else. He's the one that wants to be in the adventure.
1: Yeah, but instead of Spock, he's got all these cowards. Um, <laughs> a lot of red shirts. Yeah, a lot of red shirts. Maura <laughs> is like, "Hey, I'm going because I'm a doctor, and they might need a doctor." And everyone's like, "Hey, it's 1899. Sure, ladies can be doctors. That's uh, that's something we're okay with. But you can't do surgery. Um, you can study."
0: You can't practice.
1: You study, but you can't practice. Anyways, I like, they're like, hey, yeah, you can come along. Oh, by the way, we're also going to need the other side of science, religion. (laughs) Father Romero, (laughs) you're going too.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And he's yeah, definitely not thrilled. And again, this scene I think makes more sense because they're talking in Spanish, so the assumption is nobody else can understand what they're saying while they're openly talking about this. Because if they were all talking in English and could understand it, this would be awkward.
1: Yeah, Angel's like, it, Angel's like, it'll be cool, man. Just go, go over to the haunted <laughs> ship. You'll be fine. You're a priest. And he's like, you know, I'm not a priest. And he's like, Donde style baño or whatever. I don't know. Anyways, I want. I'll do it in English. But uh, Father Romero's going because, once again, science and religion, when they team up, there's nothing they can't do. <laughs> I did think this was an interesting joke setup, up, and uh, I'm going to give this to our audience. And those of you with a punchline can write us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. Or if Twitter still exists, you can reach out to us <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, or if MySpace still exists, I know that Tom of MySpace uh, has done some terrible things and people are trying to cancel him. But here's the joke set up. A priest, a ship's captain, a Polish guy, a lady doctor, all row to an abandoned ghost ship. Finish the punchline.
0: <laughs> I like it. It is kind of funny. I mean, anytime you have a priest going anywhere, you can probably do a joke with that. But it is a cavalcade of interesting characters for sure.
1: The ship knows when there's death about. The guy's like, oh, there's no wind. And the sea is always right. Mm -hmm. Right, Tom? The sea is always right?
0: It is interesting because, like, I mean, they're seemingly in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It should be, you know, rough waters. Like, even calm waters is not as calm as it is right now.
1: Back on deck, Angel gets real weird with the brother of the pregnant lady. And mm-hmm. we went into this a little bit, but mm-hmm. I guess it makes more sense knowing that there's a language barrier for me. Mm-hmm. It's just a little bit strange.
0: Yeah, agreed. It was very kind of him, though, to share that cigarette.
1: We. Go- <laughs> it was very, very sweet of him. Angel, <laughs> the sweetest. Uh, we we go back and forth between the Pr- Prometheus and the Cerebro. Um, <laughs> the ship stops getting the coordinate telegraph, beep, 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 message <laughs> once they board Prometheus, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. And then the captain, as they're searching the deck, and everything is like, it almost looks like the ship rolled once. I don't know. Everything's like torn apart and like in different places. Mm-hmm. And he picks up this like flowery ribbon thing that's he, he I mean, it has an emotional effect on him in one way yeah. or another.
0: My assumption is this is belongs to his wife, one of his kids, something like that, because he sees it and then like has a reaction and then wants to keep looking around on this ship. Cause, and, and the interesting thing too, like you mentioned, the ship is just tattered. Like It's got sea- like seaweed everywhere, sheets are thrown apart. This, this is not a ship that's been gone for four months, just hanging out in the middle of the ocean. Um, and the little ribbon that he picks up seems to be pristine like it's got its little flower embroidery on it it's still bright white um it's it definitely stands out amongst amongst the ship
1: i agree it's strange (laughs) we then cut to the two asian ladies and they seem to be escaping something she's like the one that is dressed in traditional garb is like learning japanese and and the other one is kind of like telling her to like just you know, play along. I, I don't know, I, this one was strange. I didn't understand this.
0: Yeah, so this is again, I think the, the dubbing would have been helpful. Um, but when she tells her like, yeah, you gotta learn your Japanese, she's actually speaking, or, or what's coming out of the phonograph thing is Cantonese. So I guess they speak Cantonese and she's learning Japanese. So different language barrier there. But the the like thing that they say like in sequence, which was kind of interesting is like, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end, which I, again, think is kind of interesting and may kind of tie into the idea of like, you know, what is lost can be found kind of deal that the other people are dealing
1: with. Interesting, because Cantonese would have been China. And so she's learning Japanese, right? I think I have that right.
0: I, uh, again, I'll plead ignorance on this. I just know when they did the subtitles, it said Cantonese when it was kind of speaking and then Japanese when she was uh,
1: reciting. Got it. Okay. The telegraph seems to be destroyed on top of the, or on the Prometheus, which Mm -hmm. is strange because it's been sending them signals, allegedly. And then we get a dude climbing onto Cerebro (laughs) and he obviously swam because he is all wet. Yeah, uh, he walks swimmer. walks through the hallway. Uh the Michael Phelps of swimmers walks through the hallway. Mm-hmm. He looks at 10 11, I'm sorry, 1011. Mm-hmm. moves by it. So he makes note of it, moves by it and then uses a beetle to enter 1013.
0: Yeah, this is very weird. I think it cuts back and forth here. I think we just see him climbing on board. I think the show ends with him doing this weird beetle thing because we see the beetle later in the sequence of kind of showing the people on the Prometheus where this kid is, is kind of trapped because Mara kind of follows the beetle. So I don't know. I mean, this has to be two separate beetles, right? Or something in a mind because they're both these bright green beetles yeah they're not the same beetle it's two beetles yeah very talented talented beetles though i mean they're might as well be paul john george and ringo here do you you (laughs) have any idea who you who you think this guy is is the beetle is the brother no the the guy that boards the the cerberus
1: i don't know but he's one of the people in the intro or in the in the uh title sequence one of the like you know, because they're not using actual people. They're using, like, CGI people. Mm-hmm. He's one of them. Um, okay. So, I don't know. I mean, he, that was... I, I had that thought that maybe he's Henry, the brother of Mara, but I didn't know. Um, I was more focused on Team Prometheus following the beetle uh, <laughs> and pulling a crowbar where someone locked a kid in the chest. And I got to be honest, there's nothing creepier than creepy kids, you know? Like, <laughs> uh, the ring... Any of those that involve children. When my own kid is standing at the edge of uh, there, my kid, she would she would like show up in our room at three a.m. and she'd be like in a nightgown and it'd be like something out of Victorian age, standing in our room just staring (laughs) at us, like kill it with fire. I don't know. Yeah. Well listen, I, I
0: mean, yeah. I don't know what this kid's deal is. He definitely looks very dapper. He's got like a velvet jacket on. He looks pristine. Hair's done. All well, well and nice. Um, something tells me I want to put this kid back in there. Cause who put this crowbar in there? Maybe they had a reason for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> hey, oh look, there's a piece of candy that's still in that cabinet. You should go <laughs> back in there and then crowbar across. Then <laughs> they're like, We don't tell anyone, agreed? And everyone's like, Yep and then they leave (laughs) as White Rabbit plays.
0: Yeah, I like the sequence. It's such a cool, trippy song and fits very well, even like the lyrically it does, but like taking a pill or falling down different holes, that kind of deal, Um, it's it's very, very cool. Very ominous, and I think that's where we kind of cut. And I gotta say, man, I'm in, like, I I love this setup. I thought it was a fun pilot. They did a good job of kind of setting up these characters without giving us too much. I do want to know more about it. If I had to guess, this definitely seems to be something like a mind, mind. you know, I don't know, we're diving deeper into Mara's mind here, but I still like the idea of the Bermuda Triangle. Maybe it isn't anything about the brain. Maybe they're putting that on, like, really heavy, and it is more of a Bermuda Triangle situation where I can teleport you or... I don't know, do do whatever, but these guys that did dark were great and I'm I'm excited for more.
1: Tom, this is funny because this came up on the Nate Bargazzi podcast, which I'm a huge fan of Nate Bargazzi. I don't know that the generation after us knows what the Bermuda triangle is. I think the Bermuda triangle in like the lexicon of urban myths or whatever was something we, like learned about, but I don't think, like I don't think they're still teaching kids about this weird triangle out in the ocean where ships and planes disappeared. Quite frankly, because we now have GPS, weather and patterns, and uh, we don't have Amelia Earhart. Like I, I, I don't know. So you, you've brought that up a couple of times, but it's. I don't know that the Bermuda Triangle is in vogue, that that's what they would use. I don't know. That's
0: a that's a very fair point, and I appreciate you calling me out on that, because my assumption is people just kind of know that, and that's just kind of like general knowledge of a weird mythical phenomenon in the world, but I mean, I'll admit, I know nothing about it outside of it's supposed to be in the Pacific Ocean, and it's supposed to swallow ships and stuff, but... Uh yeah, thanks for, thanks for calling that out.
1: No, I mean, I, I'm not, I, I guess I'm just saying like, I know what you mean when you talk about it, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know that it's still in like the zeitgeist. I've used a lot of buzzwords as I've talked over the last minute. Um, <laughs> the other thing I want to say is like, our generation is still afraid of quicksand. I don't feel like uh, <laughs> these younger generations are afraid of quicksand. I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to run into it in the same way we ran into it. So go wake your kid up. Ask him if he knows what the Bermuda Triangle is. Uh, and uh, I guess see where we go from there. Any like, let's do this. Any like theories that you want to like, er, I know we don't have enough, but like, mm-hmm. do you have a sense of like, are we, I think we're supposed to feel, here's mine and I'll, I'll interrupt myself to say mine. What they're telegraphing, what I think they want us to think is this is all happening in Mara's head, which mm-hmm. I don't think that's what it is. Uh, the other piece to this is it's almost like a Marple mystery or Knives Out where we have a group of people that have all been assembled for a reason like, mm-hmm. and we're supposed to find out what that reason is and why they've all been put in purgatory on this ship. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's going to be all in Mara's head. I just think that's kind of a hey like you know the beats of this and so this yeah. is what we're going to kind of telegraph towards but i mean they blew my mind with dark so i don't think i from a <laughs> pilot episode i'm going to be able to guess where this show's going but i'm with you i'm excited so what's your big do you have any big like things that you can i guess predict where this might be going
0: yeah no i'm with you i feel like there might be more of like a supernatural element where yeah like the way they've Shown in the trailer, I guess the trailers because we've seen that, um, but in the like opening sequence, how like the ship seems to like go through something like it's not just there in the middle of the ocean, like either it falls in some sort of hole or abyss and then it changes things, whether it goes forward in time, backward in time, like it, it maybe does something to your conscious and subconscious and We're seeing it through Mara's lens and maybe we'll see it through other characters' lenses, but I'm with you. I don't think this is all like a mash fever dream kind of a deal. I think they're, they're a little bit too heavy handed on that. We might get something more supernatural.
1: Not a Jacob's ladder. This isn't a Jacob's (laughs) ladder scenario. This is a Jacob's
0: ladder scenario. (laughs) All
1: right. Well, I'm excited to continue on. Here's what Tom and I are going to do because the show, all eight episodes are out and because we're team binge, (laughs) We're actually going to go along with our namesake for the first time, and what we're going to do, our plan is to watch two, three, and get to the middle of the season, which would be watching four as well. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to reconvene, talk about two, three, and four, and then the next plan would be to watch the next couple, and then do a finale. So we're not going to go episode by episode on this one, just because it's tough to wait a whole week in order Mm -hmm. to go after these episodes and we're excited about this show so Mm -hmm. when you join us next time uh, our recommendation would be watch through four and then we will continue the discussion Uh, we apologize for the hiatus uh, obviously we got canceled for a little while but now we're (laughs) back Um, and so we've issued (laughs) our apologies uh, we wrote the right house as well as all the other houses of parliament and <laughs> now we're now we're back uh, we appreciate you joining us hopefully you guys are into this show because we love these wi- timey-wimey as Tom yeah. <laughs> I don't think you've said timey-wimey during this whole podcast which is I... a disgrace <laughs>
0: I said it as a tweet in an Instagram post where I said that, uh, you know, from the creators of a timey-wimey show called Dark. I love uh, but it. Yeah, like, if you haven't seen Dark, um, I think this is probably a good, like, uh, it's not a palate cleanser, but this is a good one to kind of start with, because I don't think this is as bananas as Dark was. Dark we'll was see. was a very ambitious show that didn't hold your hand, and it dealt with a lot of timey-wimey stuff that required your full attention. This is not a show that you can, you know, watch casually in the background while you're browsing Twitter on your phone. No. You gotta pay attention and get in on it. So hopefully people that have followed us from Lasso or other pods that we've done, um, who are still listening, go check this out because I do think it's a it's a fun show and and we think you'll have a good time with it.
1: Yep. We're gonna have a good time with it, even though we'll be on the Prometheus alone with no (laughs) one else. But we'll find salvation there if you have questions comments if we miss something and these are the types of shows that we will miss things on so if you want to point Mm -hmm. something out you can hit us up at teambingepodcast at gmail.com that's the main place that we answer our emails Um, but please
0: please 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 we're only one episode in by the time we're going to post this we'll watch two three and four so just be careful with what you send to us if you have already been to the whole show
1: i'm not scared I believe in our audience. (laughs) I believe they'll take care of us. Um, You can also hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. Tom's in charge of those. He doesn't give me any access. Um, The last thing I'll mention is uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Um, For no other reason other than I like reading those reviews and they're fun because (laughs) most of the time they're like, hey, these guys are actually friends, which we are. So (laughs) yay for friendship. Tom, it's great talking with you again about this stuff. I will swing it to you in terms of is there anything else that you are watching currently or have consumed during our hiatus that you would like to recommend to our audience?
0: Um, this will probably be dated because it's happening currently, but I would just encourage everybody to watch the World Cup. Soccer's great. We started a lot of this because of my affinity for soccer and Ted Lasso. Um, so, you know, obviously there's a lot of controversy with the World Cup being, uh, taking place in, uh, Qatar, which it has absolutely no right being there. FIFA is an incredibly corrupt organization. I guess I'll also recommend (laughs) listening to a podcast called, uh, World Corrupt. Um, it's from the makers of Crooked Media and uh, Men with Blazers. It's got uh, one guy from each of those kind of shows. Does a very interesting deep dive into not only like the soccer and the fandom uh, around the world, um, but how corrupt the FIFA organization is. Um, it's very very interesting. It's like a six episode pod. So give that a go. Watch the World Cup. Cheer for the USA if you're from the USA. If you're not from the USA, cheer for your cheer for your country if they're playing. It's a uh, it's a raucous ré- of a good time
1: okay how about you jules what are you Um, taking in yeah i might have already recommended it but we're watching the second season of white lotus which we're enjoying it's just a i mean it's a show that (laughs) is just enjoyable it's well written it's bonkers to quote you um but it's fun (laughs) and then the other thing is i love fifa they're a great organization we're sponsored by them please uh (laughs) please uh watch fifa i don't know Wait, no, play FIFA? I don't I don't know how you can... I don't know how to pull this joke off, Tom. Help me out. Play FIFA? Don't play FIFA? Um, Tom once made me play him in FIFA years ago, and I'm pretty sure I scored more goals on myself than I scored on Tom. Because <laughs> I'm impressive. bad at soccer. All right.
0: I have been Julian. And I have been Tom. We'll see you on the other side of the pyramid, y'all.